year I turned 12. The age where you transfer from boy to man. It's the little things that you remember all your life. First hit, your first kiss, the first time your dad lets you know that he sees you. Well, I still hadn't had the other two, but boy, did that third one feel good. Would you stand up and walk out on? Happy Wonder Wednesday, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Today, I am continuing my coverage of the new Wonder Years Season 1 with Episode 7 entitled Independence Day, which aired November 3rd, 2021. I just thought of something. This episode is called Independence Day. That was the title of the series finale of the wonder years was independence day (laughs) although in this episode bill comes up with a solution for kim's car desires but the solution is only pleasing to him dean is worried about seeming uncool when clisby i'm guessing this is grandpa ends up chaperoning him and his friends (laughs) i'm kind of curious if this is gonna be like if Clisby's going to be anything like Grandpa Arnold, Jack's dad from the original Wonder Years, because if that's the case, whoa, boy! <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So this episode's got a 7.7 out of 10 based on 79 ratings. Let's see if we got any uh, new people. We got Richard Gant as Granddaddy Clisby, and we have returning, we have Milan Marsh as Charlene. We have Caleb Black. As Norman, we met him in the the lock-in episode, which and we also met Charlene in the lock-in episode, which was episode five, and we meet someone L. Warren Young as Bray. So find out who this is. Okay, so Robert Townsend's the director of this episode. Writers, we got Saladin K. Patterson, Neil Marlins of the OG Wonder Years, Carol Black, OG Wonder Years, Jacques Edmonds, Imbiria, I'm so sorry I mispronounced her name, I know I am, Alan, Diovira Danny Batista, uh, Yale Galena, and Yamin, see, I, I know I'm messing these names up. I know I am. I must be, because hey, there is no trivia for this episode. So, let's see. We do have a user review, but I am going to hold off on that. I want to see if, because I wasn't able to do the user review from the last episode because IMDB was being a butthead. So... I'm going to read the review for that right now for the episode Be Prepared. 8 out of 10. This is from October 28th, 2021, titled Hilarious Episode About Dean Learning the Hard. I'm guessing the hard way. Way that his dad isn't good at at everything. Too bad Bill lets pride get in his way instead of asking for help when he needed it. Bill's hijinks at the lake had me LOL. <laughs> Though Dean learns that lesson first, that's not the main reason he learns this episode. Okay, I'm just trying to understand how this uh, person's kind of writing this review. 
The le- no, the lesson he learns here, which I thought was executed well and true to life, was that parents will do anything to make their kids happy, even if they are not experts at the thing that will make their children happy. And it's okay to know that your parents aren't perfect as long as they love and care for you. That's all that matters. Dean knows that now. This is a nice review. Yes, I did kind of stumble over the words a little bit, but that's all right. <laughs> All right, so of course, before I get into this episode, I want to let you wonder your wonderlings know if you're just jumping on the podcast for the first time. Welcome, welcome. I have covered all six seasons of the OG Wonder Years, of the Wonder Years. That's why I called this podcast Looking Back at My Wonder Years. So the really best way to listen to all the episodes of the original Wonder Years is going to be going to SoundCloud and just starting with episode one and working your Because for whatever reason, iTunes only holds so many episodes and I have done other shows, episodes, you know, Full House, Mr. Belvedere, Some of Elf. I'm currently in the second season of Small Wonder, which that is a monthly podcast where I just do an episode a month. There's episodes of Growing Pains. There's some episodes of Everwood, Different Strokes, the first four or five episodes of American Dreams. I think the first like seven or eight episodes of season one of Everwood. So, yeah. There's a handful of many, many things. And plus, of course, my movie reviews that I do. So there is quite a bit there for you to peruse. Also, if you want to... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. If you're enjoying the show, not just the podcast, but the show itself, and you want to... I want to know how you guys like the episodes. What are your thoughts on the new Wonder Years? Are you liking the show? Is it getting better with every episode? Because I feel that it is. I really feel that it is definitely getting better with each episode. The actors and actresses do great in the roles. It's just so fun. You know, we're growing up with the Williams family, much like we did with the Arnold family in the 80s and early 90s. So, yeah. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the podcast, I don't do Patreon. All I ask is a moment of your time. You can go to iTunes, search the Wonder Years podcast. The Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast, a Wonder Years podcast will pop up. Scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. You can use emojis. You can have me try to figure out which character is which character by using emojis. You can do it from either the original Wonder Years or the new Wonder Years. The new Wonder Years might be a little tough for me, but I think I can give it a shot. So, definitely. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Wonder Years fans like yourselves. So, without further ado, let's jump into this podcast. Also, real quick, if you want to share your thoughts on previous episodes that I've covered... You can email me at LBOM or email the podcast at LBOMWonderUsePodcast at gmail.com. And also on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast Facebook page or the LBOM Wonder Years Boy Meets World podcast Instagram as well. So 
All right, yeah, I want I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the episodes, what you're thinking of the new show. So, all right. Now, let's get into the new Wonder Years episode Independence Day. I'm sure it's going to be nothing like the original Independence Day episode of the Wonder original Wonder Years because that was a series finale episode. All right. All right, so we're going to do the cold open and this is kind of funny, this opening we get of film strips of wild animals as adult Dean narrates how at some point offspring have to learn that one day they will leave the nest and go out on their own. This just reminds me of in the original Wonder Years when Kevin would be in uh, like Ben Stein's science class. Ben Stein played Mr. Cantwell or something like that. And he was always showing these film strips of either snakes or lions or volcanoes and the world just being ripped apart by natural disasters and stuff. So that's kind of, I'm getting those vibes while watching uh, this opening scene in the cold open. Dean also narrates how the process of independence can go smoothly or not so smoothly. And we are in the Williams kitchen and we see Dean with his saxophone strap around his neck. He's holding the saxophone. All right, cool. So Dean approaches his parents, Bill and Lillian, at the kitchen table and asks, do you think it'd be all right if I went and hung out with some kids from school at the mall? Simple question. <laughs> so adult Dean, of course, is putting words in their mouth saying, who's going to be there? What are their parents' names? You know, we have popcorn here at the house. And Bill asks, do you have mall money? Oh, Lillian asks, why do you want to go there anyway? We have popcorn at the house. <laughs> So when Bill asked, do you have mall money, I'm almost kind of thinking, like, is he saying, oh, if you, like, if you don't, I'll give you some, and sure, you can go to the mall. And Dean says, unfortunately, his parents were not the kind of parents that just let, you know, their kids go to the mall even after it was desegregated. The Nordell Mall was like the Mecca, the Promised Land, and the Forbidden, forbidden City all wrapped into one. He talks about the clothes, the amazing food, and a pet shop full of puppies. Which I'm sure, as you know, people strongly ag they're against, like, no, don't, don't get a puppy from a mall. Don't get it from a pet shop. Get it from a reputable breeder. The most important thing to Dean is it had teenagers unsupervised, which to a kid, that is like got to be the best thing. Your, your parents aren't looking at, you know, eagle eye watching you and everything. You can actually, you know, be have fun and be yourself without, yeah. 
your parents constantly, like, keeping an eyeball on you. Yeah, just kids having the time of their lives unsupervised. And Dean telling us how he couldn't wait to go to the mall without his family constantly keeping an eye on him. My parents were not the kind to just let their kids hang out at the mall, even after it was desegregated. When I was a kid, the Nordale Mall was like Mecca, the promised land, and the forbidden city all in one. It had delicious food, sharp clothes, and a pet store full of puppies. But most of all, it had teenagers having the time of their lives totally unsupervised. I couldn't wait to hang out at the mall without having my parents dragging me around. But it wasn't the only one. So, this just kind of makes me think about my mall days. And I'll be honest, I don't have any that weren't. When when we went to the mall, um, like, the Woodland, well, the Woodland Mall would have been more, I don't know, very rare that we would go there. I mean, we lived in Lowell, and the mall was in Grand Rapids. It was maybe 20-some minutes away. I know that doesn't seem like much, but... I didn't really get out of the house too much growing up as a kid. You know, my dad was always working and, you know, my grandma was, you know, doing her own. Usually it was be grandma that would take me there if we even had to go there. Normally, honestly, it would be more around like Christmas shopping, Christmas shopping. Let's go to the mall. And, um, yeah, I think, honestly, the only times I ever went to the mall by myself would have been probably when I was driving myself as a senior in high school. And, even, and mainly my mall trips were as an adult. Those are my mall trips. I didn't frequent, by the time I was going to the mall, stores were already being shut down because there just was not a lot of people. The mall had changed so much that it wasn't so much of a hangout anymore. In fact, the point where it was kind of dangerous to go to the mall just with, you know, fights breaking out and other things like that. Those things more took place, what, just in the last, like, five to ten years, so... I pretty much, honestly, if I have to say my, um, I mean, I had a fun time exploring the mall back when I, you know, we were staying in that hotel from, like, late February into mid-July. That was fun, you know, got to, you know, theater opened up, got to see some movies, I got a bookstore, they got a food court. What? How many malls? Of course, they got food courts, right? <laughs> but it was just cool because it was a a two level um mall. And the one in particular, I remember when Jeremy and I just first started dating back in um early two thousand four. We had went on one of our first dates. We went to, I think that was the Cinemark Theater. It was at the River Town Crossings Mall in Granville, Michigan. And that one has a carousel in it. I it might still have a carousel. And that I think that one was two levels also. So yeah. And the one the honestly the small mall like in Muskegon really wasn't bad either. That was the uh the Lakes Mall. Uh there was a <laughs> I don't know if this mall even exists in Grand Rapids anymore. It was called the Centerpoint Mall, and there was, like, next to nothing to it. There was, like, 
hardly any stores at all there out. I think it was more of an indoor skate park or something, but yeah. Those are my mall days. Honestly, yeah, I would say my, my best mall days were when I was exploring the Stonebriar Mall in Frisco. That was fun. when Because we, we were in the hotel. It was like literally the mall was right behind the hotel. So I was like, ah, how many times did I frequent the mall? There just to hang out and go to the books, go to Barnes and Noble and the movie theater and the food court, Panda Express. So another thing similar to the Wayne on Wheels episode, because that also deals with Kevin going to the mall, meeting girls from other schools, going to the movies, and also Wayne getting his license. In this episode, it looks like Kim is learning how to drive. And Dean is, like, hanging right over her shoulder. It's like, dude, I don't know. I think that's helping her. And Bill tells Kim, like, you need to slow down. And she's like, I'm barely moving. And she barely was. She's, like, at a crawl at the stop sign. And... Dean also says that, you know, he wasn't the only one that was pushing for independence. Yeah, as we do see, you know, Kim is in the driver's seat in the car. Oh my gosh. Bill's like, watch out for that car. And Kim says, Deb, we're stopped. We're at the stoplight. Or the stop sign. We're not moving. It's fine. We're nowhere near the car. So, yeah. He's like, what are you, in the middle of the street? And she's like, I'm at a stop sign. I know what I'm doing. And Bill asks, well, then why aren't you moving? I'm thinking, uh, because that's a boat of a car, and you want to make sure you got a clear path, especially if you're making a right, a left-hand turn. You're watching both the right side and the left side to make sure it's 100% clear before you turn around or before you make that turn. So, and, and Bill tells her, like, it's clear you can go. And she is, as she makes that turn, she is, like, literally hugging that curb with the tires of the car. <laughs> so, and, of course, she makes the turn, and she's going, and we, yeah, Dean is, like, literally, his chin is practically resting on Kim's shoulder. He is that close up against the back of the driver's seat, just kind of hanging off her, and she's like, can you tell Dean to stop breathing on my neck? It's like, no, Dean, you need to sit down. I know there were no seatbelts in 1968, apparently, but... Yeah, if she's going to slam on the brakes and something happens, you're going through that damn windshield, buddy, and you don't want that. So, yeah, Bill says, get around this car in front of us who's, like, driving like a maniac. And they are! They're, like, going, like, over the the main line and back again, acting all like a maniac and whatnot. And Kim goes to pass around the car, and then we see the driver flipping the bird, you know, flipping her off. And, of course, who is it? It's Granddaddy Clisby, apparently. Because Bill's like, Dad? <laughs> what in the world? He's flipping them off. Oh, my gosh. And Dean tells us Granddaddy Clisby, the only person that Dad had to listen to. <laughs> yeah, Dean says, the only person I knew my dad actually had to answer to. And adult Dean says how back then he thought Grandpa Clisby was just being mean to be mean, but it turns out that was just him being nice. Like, oh, God. Totally unsupervised. <laughs> I couldn't wait to hang out at the mall without having my parents dragging me around. 
only one in the family struggling to gain independence. You need to slow down. <laughs> Watch out for that car. Dad, we're stuck. In the middle of the street. At a stop sign. I know what I'm doing. Then why aren't you moving? It's clear. Now we're back at the house. Lillian's on the phone with Bill's mom, who says she needs a ride to choir practice the next day. She doesn't trust her husband to be able to drive her there. And Bill says after Lillian's off the phone, like, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I told you he was swerving all over the road. And Dean looks up and says, yeah, it's like watching a drunk turtle. And then Bill and Lillian kind of look at Dean. I thought they were going to say, stay out of grown folks' business. But Dean just, like, like quickly looks down at his homework or whatever he's working on at the coffee table. <laughs> and apparently Lillian says, according to Bill's mom, that his dad had a fender bender and just left the car and walked home. I'm getting Grandpa Arnold vibes from the season five episode. I am 100% getting those vibes yeah we haven't even really officially met granddaddy clisby yet i oh i guess like a, a tow truck was also cold but they granddaddy clisby could not remember where he left his car and bill's kind of you know rubbing his chin just kind of thinking like yeah i guess it's time as in, you know, maybe Alzheimer's is setting in and he's starting to forget things. That could that could be, you, you know? I, I don't know. And Lillian says, you know, everyone's time comes sooner or later. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. So the way that Lillian is talking, you know, telling him, you know, I know it's hard, but it's the right thing to do. Sounds like she's suggesting they put Granddaddy Clisby in a senior center or, or I guess back then they called it an old folks home. Uh, an, an assisted living center, a retirement something. I think more of an assisted living center than a retirement center. And... Dean's like, yeah, Dad, it'll be okay, just like uh, it was for Buster. Apparently, they did have a dog at one point named Buster, who Dean's parents told him he went to that big ranch in the sky or something. Like, I'm guessing the dog, like, passed away or something happened to it. When Dean's like, can we get a dog? You know, in the previous episode, I'm, I was thinking like, they'd never had a dog before. But I guess in his 12 years on Earth, they, they had a dog at one point. And Bill turns to Dean. He's like, what? We're talking about keeping your granddad from driving, not putting him down. Oh, oh, shoot. They just let the cat out of the bag. 
basically, like, Buster had to be put down. I can imagine that's what Dean's reaction was. Wait, wait a minute. You said he had to go to a big farm in the sky. What are you talking about? No, all Dean says to that is like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, misread the conversation. Granddaddy Clisby over, you know, give him meatloaf and pound cake. And Bill kind of goes over his plan of, oh, well, you know, Lillian and I will be glad to take you wherever you, you and Mama both, wherever you need to go. You're basically saying, we're going to be your chauffeur to you and Mom. And, of course, Granddaddy Clisby is not happy about having his freedom taken away from him as far as being able to drive. You know, when you're 16, you get your driver's license and you get behind the wheel of a car for the first time, or just that sense of freedom. You know, before that, you had to be driven around by your parents constantly all the time. And just the idea that you can get up and go and, and go where you want and do, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun as a, as a teenager doing that, but then as you get older, it's like, oh, man, I'm going to drive here. Uh, I mean, unless you just love, love, love to drive, which it's okay. I surely wouldn't be going long, long, long distances. Yeah, Lillian gives another example of his not-so-great driving record, saying that he drove into the shed on his own property, crushing his wife's garden supplies. Wow. You know, there does come a time when some sometimes, not, not every senior citizen, but at some point, you know, they do require senior citizens past a certain age to be able to pass a driving test for them to be able to drive. I think at one point my um my my grandpa had to have his taken away, but you know he was suffering from Alzheimer's at the at the so the kind of figure that was just you know for the best and everything like that. So uh, or sometimes you know maybe you're older and you make the decision yourself. Like I don't feel comfortable behind the wheel anymore. I would prefer to take public transportation of some sort and have them get me where I need to go. You know, whether you're making the decision yourself or someone's making that decision for you, it's still it's still hard. I mean, in a way, you are relinquishing some of your freedom to 
be able to get out and leave your home and go and do stuff. You're putting your, you know, that in the hands of another person. So Granddaddy Clisby pretty much just chalks this up to, oh, I just need to get the brakes checked. So he's like, hey, wrap me up some of that pound cake because I'm going to be going home now. It's like, basically, he does not want to hear anymore. And like, end of discussion. I'm done. We've talked. You've talked about this. It's just, it's not happening okay so in the summary it says bill comes up with a solution to kim's driving sitch that's only really suitable to bill so my guess is kim has to be his chauffeur and driving granddaddy clisby all over that's what i'm guessing because when we see, when I saw a picture, I'm like, okay, it looks like Granddaddy Clisby's in the passenger seat, so that means that Kim is probably in the driver's seat. So we'll see. We'll see. So Granddaddy Clisby gets up and says something about the Mill Brothers is on TV. Like he's trying to change the subject. Like, I gotta get home. And Bill says, I'll drive you. And Granddaddy Clisby's like, no, 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 no. And he even named his car Old Betsy. He's like, no, no one drives her but me. Like, oh boy. Yeah, we're going to definitely get into that uh, episode of season five. Let me look up, look that up real quick. Um, it's, I know it's definitely season five. The Wonder Years. There we go. Okay, yes. Season five, episode. For heaven's sake, why did. This thing is being weird. Okay, I know what's on here. It is Grandpa's Car, Season 5, Episode 12. Grandpa Arnold has trouble driving but refuses to listen to anyone's concerns. When Kevin agrees to accompany Grandpa back home, their road trip takes some unexpected turns. So, yeah, it's kind of in a similar vein as, as that one. But uh, there's more There's more meat to this one, I see, definitely. Because it's more, they're getting the whole family involved in this, from what I'm seeing. And it almost looks like, because you see Dean and Kim kind of in the doorway, and then you see also Lillian and Bill, and it's almost like they're kind of encircling Grand, Granddaddy Clisby, because he's kind of like turning around and facing them. Like, how am I going to get to the barbershop and to see my friends and, you know, all this stuff? That's a, yeah, like I said, that's the thing. I mean, especially he's been driving for probably longer than Bill's been alive. And to have that sense of freedom just taken away. I mean, if any of you out there as teenagers ever had your keys taken away from you, I I have. It's not fun. I mean, once you get that taste of freedom, then all of a sudden to have it yanked away again, it's not great. Yeah, so, Kim's like, he has friends? So, Bill's like, alright, look, Dad, I'm sorry, this is how it's gotta be. And, of course, yeah, he's basically facing off against his dad. His dad's like, son, you best get out of my way. It's like, this is a pure face-off situation. Like, oh, boy. And I'm gonna, definitely, you know, I think once I'm done covering the episode, I am going to play... You know, even, you know, Jack's scenario with his dad, you know, him trying to be the authority figure and say, no, dad, you're not driving. You're not, we're not doing that. 
and just <laughs> Grandpa Arnold was like, no, 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 we're not doing, we, no, 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 I've had my license, I know how to drive, it's fine, yeah, where Jack kind of just backed out, so I'm curious to see, let's see how this is going to play out, is, is Granddaddy Cliff being like, what up, get out of my way, uh, or is he going to like basically fight him for the keys? Yeah, Dean's kind of thinking of, you know, his dad going to, you know, face-to-face -face with his father, how that must feel. And Dean says, you know, judging by the look on his father's face, like, no, I can't imagine that feels great to try to be the authority figure over your parent who's had your basically your whole life been the authority figure. And now it's like the tables have kind of turned where you're the one having to step in and put restrictions on your parent. And it's almost like you yourself have become the parent like, the roles have been switched, and your parent has become the child. Surprisingly, you know, Granddaddy Clisby, he, he hands over the keys, says, I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to get to the hardware store on Saturday. And Bill immediately balks, says, like, well, what, what do you mean you gotta get, you have every single nail, and Lillian's like, honey, we just offered to take him wherever he wants to go. I mean, seriously, it's like, now you're all of a sudden, yeah, it's like you agreed to take him wherever he wants to go, and now all of a sudden you're putting restrictions on where and when he can go, like, oh, well, no, that doesn't sound like a worthy enough reason, but Bill concedes, he's like, alright, you know what, Kim can take you. Yeah, this is, is news to Kim, and I'm pretty sure he's like, hey, you want to learn how to drive, this is what you're going to be doing, you're going to be driving your granddaddy around. I'm trying to think honestly, and I'm sure I have mentioned this at least once in one of my podcasts over the last four years, about my mom who had had lupus, and at one point my dad did have to sell her car, and to the point where she was not allowed to drive very well. I remember that because I remember the last drive she took, she was all over the road, and it just... I remember we stopped on the hill on um, this one road. It wasn't really a busy road or anything like that. And I just remember Dad having her stop the car and just saying, okay, that's it. That's enough. And I remember, yeah, when Dad sold the car and just how angry and upset our mom was. My mom was at the loss of, you know, that freedom, that independence, just something being taken from her. It was another thing due to having a stroke and lupus. That was another thing that she could no longer be capable of doing on her own. And mind you, like I said, my mom was in her 30s at the time. So <laughs> that's young. That's that's young to just not be able to be... Uh, you know, losing your, your your freedoms and your independence and stuff due to a debilitating disease. Granted, it's not, it's more, you know, his father's getting older, his reaction time and every everything is just not, uh, you got to be up to par with that stuff because you're dealing with other people on the road as well and it's just, you're not just responsible for your own life when you're driving, you're responsible for every life out there on the road that you come in contact with and interact with. So, yeah, basically it's like you don't even, you know, just leave your car here, 
he's got the mind to, because Kim is like, oh, I get a car? And Bill's like, yeah, I'll buy it for you. And then that way Kim can take you wherever you're, you want to go. And granddaddy kills me saying, uh, this child don't need to be driving my car. She needs to find herself a husband. I'm thinking, she's still in high school. She doesn't need to be finding a husband right now, today, the second. You know, I was thinking when Dean was saying about, you know, his dad and granddaddy Clisby facing off against each other, I thought that uh, adult Dean was going to pop in and say something about, like, I just am dealing right now in present day the same thing with my own father. So, yeah. Because it seems like when he's talking about in the past episodes, he's mentioned his wife. And how his mom really likes his daughter-in-law. That means in present day, probably in, uh, what, maybe 2021, 2020, whenever present day is supposed to be. Because I know it's at least 20 years in the future from 1968, 1968 to... 1988, that's the time year gap in between, you know, in the original Wonder Years. So if that's the case, then, but if it's still the same time period, still be talking about 1988. But no, I think he's talking like well, well into the future, as in our present day. So if that's the case, let's go back... Let's see here. Let's do some math. So we got 1968 minus 12. It's 1956. So 2021 minus 1956. That means that Dean, if he if he were talking in present day, he'd be 65. So I don't really think that he's talking about 2021. Um. Yeah, let's see. Maybe if we went... Let's say 2000 minus 1968. We'd be in his 30s. So I don't think it's present, present day because he, like I said, he'd be 65. So I'd say present day. I would throw it either into the 90s as present day or maybe the early aughts. But you're not going to get up to 2020 because, like I said, he sounds like... He's speaking from that experience of maybe a 40-year-old man, something like that. Yeah, Lillian's like, a husband, she's 17. And, of course, now Bill's delegating even more responsibility to Kim's plate, saying, don't worry, you know, Kim can take Mama to church. And then Kim's like, that's six days a week. We what I'm like hey I still wanted to go to school uh, you know and uh <laughs> granddaddy Chris was like well she just got her her license a hot minute and I'm like okay wait a minute wait a minute hot minute okay I, I'm sh seriously was that a term in 1968 I want to see when that originated, because I'm pretty sure, I mean, unless it did in 1968, but I'm, I'm having my doubts. 
let's see. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, what is a hot minute? Um, hot minute. Oh, gosh. Term originate. Sorry, guys. So this is saying supposedly this term, hot minute, probably, um, yeah, took on, originated in the late 90s. I've heard of a hot second, because I will say a hot second. I don't really say a hot minute. I usually will be, you know, a hot second. So, yeah, I mean, either or basically means it's a short period of time. So, yeah, of course they get into an argument, and Granddaddy Clisby's like, I drive better than she does, and Bill's like, look, she's been trained by the best, okay? Me. That's, it's decided she's gonna drive you. I, I really don't care about your, uh, disagreements here. Yeah, that's, it's pretty much, he's putting his foot down, like, this is how it's gonna be. You can like it or lump it, basically. Bill's party words. This is gonna work out better for this is gonna work out better for everybody. And he turns and walks away. And then <laughs> adult Dean says, "Yeah, my dad never got any better at reading a room." Dean is just like, oh, I'm going to go to the mall so bad. <laughs> I 
everyone, everyone else, including your friends, are doing something that you either can't do due to not having someone to take you or because your parents don't want you to go there. Uh, that's gotta be, that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be hard. Like, oh. I see we got a couple other white boys. Okay, so Norman's the one who's, who's telling this story. And when he says, I've never seen them outside their uh, Catholic school uniforms. And someone's like, oh, they were naked? And Norman's like, no, dummy, they were wearing regular clothes. And it kind of makes me think of the thing, like, when you're younger and you saw your teacher outside of school for the first time, like, maybe in a grocery store or something, you're like, I never thought they left the school. I thought they, like, lived there. <laughs> I'm sure as the kids who probably all thought of, like, that, not really thinking, like, yeah, when they leave the school, they are, again, a regular person. They're not just a teacher. They have a regular life with a home and interests and, you know, maybe a family and stuff like that. They pay bills and eat dinners just like you and your parents do. And Norman is like, maybe next time, you know, anything could happen at the mall. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And think of the Starcourt Mall in Stranger Things Season 3. Whoo boy, that mall got destroyed. So, yeah, uh, Brad kind of asks, like, well, how does Norman get to go to the mall by himself? And Dean kind of fills him in, well, Norman's got a divorced dad, so his dad pretty much lets him do whatever he wants. Like, that's not going to be a problem down the road. Corey says, oh, lucky, why do my parents have to be so in love with each other? And then Brad asks Dean, like, hey, why isn't there a mall in your neighborhood? Adult Dean comes in and says, oh, you just wait, Brad. One day that mall by your house will become the black mall. Dean says, oh, that's not fair. The mall's lousy, lousy with Catholic girls, and we can't get there. Okay, so Norman was the one who was telling the tale about what it was like going to the mall. And Dean, Brad, and Corey are kind of left out like, oh, man, just hearing stories about the mall just makes me want to go there even more. I mean, they probably go to the mall just with their parents, and that's not fun. Especially when you're, like, a teenager. I love Brad's solution to this problem as he's pulling, like, books out of his locker. Well, you guys should just move closer. Yes, because it's that simple, Brad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, think of that. Like, Brad really needed to watch the news sometimes. So Dean decides, you know, Norman's on to something. You know, if our dads take us, you know, they'll probably lose us anyway. And by the time they uh, find us, you know, we'll have had time to hang out at the mall. <laughs> so Dean's like, hey, Corey, can your dad take us? And Corey's like, well, I mean, if he's not working late or at a fraternity meeting or drinking scotch and listening to jazz. Which means clearly his dad's out because he's going to be one, doing one of those many things. That are more important than taking kids to a mall. And Corey says, hey, your dad could take us, Dean. And Dean's like, yeah, my dad's just going to say, go with your mother. Yeah, that is exactly what they don't want. So Dean paints this whole scenario about how 
Dean's mom will go shopping at the mall, and she'll say, it's my money, I can spend it how I want, and then they'll, you know, my parents will talk in their bedroom. It just sounds like a big debacle he doesn't want to be a part of, or be included in. So one other option is, well, Kim just got her license, I mean, she could take us. And when he mentioned, Dean mentions license, and Kim, Brad's like, yeah, and Brad's like, shutting it down, Brad, shut up. Anyway, it would. <laughs> she, she could care less about what we do, I'm sure. We could ditch her easy and enjoy the mall. And Corey's like, mall, here we come. It's going to be a fun adventure. I'm excited. I'm excited to see this mall. It sounds awesome. It sounds so cool. Adult Dean mentions stuff, so like, yeah, he forgot to mention one little thing to Corey, that riding with his sister meant one other condition. Granddaddy Clisby's riding shotgun. How about that? Ooh, that's going to be a fun car ride. Oh, boy. So, again, Dean hanging on... Oh my god, again, it's like he's got a thing for just hanging right behind whoever's sitting in the front seat. Because his granddaddy's like, Dean, quit breathing on my collar. <laughs> Set it on fire. And then he says, both y'all, comb your hair. <laughs> you look, you, you got weeds growing out of your head. <laughs> and the look that Corey gives Dean, like, oh, why didn't you mention your grandfather was going to be... Riding shotgun. Ugh. Dean says, I just combed it. And Granddaddy said, Next time, do it right. Oh my gosh. Why does it seem like the older you get, the more naggy you get about the littlest things? I mean, once you hit like 65, 70 years old, it's like you find these little itty bitty things to get all upset about. It's like, oh my gosh. If you were 30 years younger, you wouldn't give a shit. 
But because you got nothing else to do, you got to complain about every damn little thing. Oh my gosh, I swear, if I become that way, I'm sure you're like, but you're kind of that way now. Eh, probably. <laughs> and adult Dean kind of, he narrates like, I guess Granddaddy loved his grandkids, but he never showed it. Except for a string of insults. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, and then Granddaddy it turns his uh, criticisms and insults to Kim, yelling at her about this truck. It's like, you didn't even see that truck. If you took some of that eye makeup off, maybe you might have seen it. And, of course, Kim's like, I did see the truck. I saw him coming up fast, so I let him pass me. And then Granddaddy closes he's like, well, that's your problem. You're too nice. And Kim is just like, ugh. Okay, Granddaddy, we're going to go to the hardware store just like you wanted. Oh, so, of course, Granddaddy Clisby wants to go to a certain type of hardware store. And, of course, Corey mentions to Dean, like, that's, um, that's the opposite way of going to the mall. And Kim's like, yeah, I mean... Aren't all hardware stores the same? And Granddaddy Clisby says, well, those hardware stores, they don't like, you know, they don't like us. So, I figure, yeah, there is a particular hardware store he probably wants to go to where people, you know, know his name and they're friendly and everything like that. And he says, take me to a hardware store where there are Negro clerks that, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to go where there's clerks that will follow him around and ask him if he can pay. Just to make sure he has money. Oh my gosh, that would be... What the... Oof. And Kim's like, okay, I mean... But we gotta stop at the grocery store and the dry cleaners first before we can do those other things. And I have a pause. It looks like Granddaddy Clisby is gonna throw a fit. So Dean is frustrated. Like, oh, if we make all these stops, you know, everyone's waiting for us at the mall. If we make all these stops, everyone's going to be gone by the time we get there. So, yeah, everyone's got their own agenda. They all got their place to be in a certain amount of time. <laughs> They're going to be allowed to get there to do what they want to do. Oh, my gosh. What a fun eye roll car ride. And, of course... Granddaddy Clisby says, if they sell all those soldering irons, I'm going to get mean. You don't want to see that. And Kim's like, okay. Like, trying to be the face. Like, let's just listen to some music, okay? Yeah, let me guess. Her time of music is not going to fit in with what Granddaddy Clisby wants to hear. Like, I don't want to hear that noise. You play something else. <laughs> like, yeah, so she, of course, turns on the music she wants to listen to, but then Granddaddy clues, no, no, y'all need to listen to some gospel. You gotta, you gotta get Jesus, you gotta get Jesus in your heart. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you're like, you all, you need Jesus in your heart. Granddaddy Clisby turns around and says, no, son, I don't know you. He's talking to Corey, he says, son, I don't know you, but you, you look like you, I know Think you got Jesus, but you definitely could use some. Oh, good great. This man. It's bad enough for, for Dean and Kim, but now he's like poking at poor Corey. It's like, dude, you don't even know me, man, and you're making assumptions? Ugh. 
I gotta say though, he he is funny. I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> how he's gonna be at the ball. So Kim turns off that gospel and like, no, 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 no. Driver's choice. I always thought that's why everyone wanted to sit in the the passenger seat as far as the uh, shotgun so they could play with the radio. So Dean's like, he realized that he and Granddaddy Clisby had something in common. They both didn't like being in the kitty. Grandpa didn't like being in the kitty car, and Dean didn't like the senile shuffle. <laughs> I love how Corey puts a hand on Granddaddy Clisby's shoulder and says, I am Jesus, sir. And Granddaddy Clisby just slaps his hand away and says, Shut up, boy, you don't. Oh my gosh! Oh, this guy is for real or what? I neglected to mention to Corey that writing with my sister came with one condition. Boy, stop breathing down my neck. You're gonna set my collar on fire. Hey, go your hair. Both of you look like you got weeds growing out of your head. You tail look better doing slavery. I just told you. Well, next time, do it right. That's how it was between us and Granddaddy. I guess he loved his grandkids, but he never showed it. Just a non-stop stream of insults. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, Kim. Did you see the trap? Maybe if you take some of that eye makeup off, you'd see a little better. And criticisms. So I'm coming up fast, so I'm going Maybe that's your problem. You're too nice. Didn't even cuss at him, huh? Flash a gun. Okay, Granddaddy. Next stop is the hardware store. When you're going the wrong way, I'm going to Mercer. And Corey's like, oh, wow. Even smells like girls. Oh, Dean said that. And Kim's like, that's because we're standing in front of the perfume store. And Dean's like, oh, shut up. We're supposed to look like we're here by ourselves. So Kim and Granddaddy walk off. But not before Granddaddy says, don't disrespect your sister. And asks Dean, do you have a hat? Oh my god, picking on that boy's hair. Oh my goodness. But now Corey and Dean are alone to go go hang with their friends. So Dean is just saying how he felt mature and tall, you know, being by himself at the mall. And then cut to 
Brad doing yo-yo tricks. <laughs> and then Dean's like, oh, I felt so bored. Because I guess none of the three of them knew how to talk to girls. I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait. Just wait. In past episodes, like the pilot, we saw Corey kiss Kisa. He also went to a supposed makeout party. Not to mention, before, in the last episode, Be Prepared, when the boys were separated from Dean and his dad and they were talking to the Pixie Scouts, clearly they don't look like they got issues talking to girls. So we see Kisa with another girl and a white girl. It looks like, are they going to the movies? Hmm, let's find out. Preacher's daughter? She gets to hang out at the mall by herself, too? Cool. That's great. I, I thought her dad would have had a, a tight rein. You know, I always thought... I don't know. I didn't know any preacher's kids. Or pastor's kids. Or reverend's kids. If they had kids, I never knew it. So Dean goes over to them and is like, Hey, Charlene, what are you doing here at the mall? And Charlene says, Well, Montgomery Ward just got a shipment of new hats, and her mom likes to come there and see them and maybe get one before all the other, what she said, all the other first ladies. So basically she wants to get dibs on them before any of the other ladies. You know, she's setting a trend. She's a trendsetter with the hats and all. Oh, Charlene's got cotton candy. And she asks Dean, like, oh, where's your mom? And he's like, oh, I mean, she's at home. You know, I'm just hanging at the mall with my friends over there. <laughs> so she gives him cotton candy. Oh, I bet the cotton candy was so good back then, too. I haven't had cotton candy in years. It's so good. Like, that's what, you know, you stick it, it melts in your mouth. Melts in your mouth. Okay, so Dean does say, he does refer to Charlene as his girlfriend. Because he's like, one of the best things about having a girlfriend is you get to share their food. Cool. I mean, there'll be time, there have been times over the years when, say, I wouldn't finish something. Jeremy's like, let me. Well, usually when we're out to eat, I won't finish. I'm like, eh, I'm done with this or whatever. And he's like, let me have it. I'm not going to let this go to waste for what I'm paying for it. Yeah, I remember this time we were at Cracker Barrel, and um, <laughs> I ordered I ordered the catfish. And I don't know why, but as I was eating it, I just kept picturing this this fish, like, in a river, like, rubbing its stomach, its belly on the rocks below, and just... 
It's, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a fan of catfish, I guess. So Jeremy's like, let me have it. I'm like, I'm done. I barely had like a few bites. I, I can't. He's like, no, I will eat this up then. <laughs> so Dean sees Kim and Granddaddy Clint's face. Like, oh no. And he narrates like the worst, the thing worse than being seen with your parents at the mall, being seen with your grandparents. Oh boy. But he, he, Granddad is good. He's kind of cool. I mean, I kind of wonder if, if Grandpa Arnold had been around Kevin's friends, what they would have thought of him. They would have left their butts off. Well, Charlene notices Kim and Granddaddy Clisby, and she turns back to Dean, confused, like, I thought you said you were by yourself. And he's like, oh, I did. I, I was. I mean, and she's like, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go find my mom. Like, I don't want to stay here for the old people parade. So Dean is confused. Like, well, wait a minute. I thought we were going to be here for like a few hours, like a couple hours or something. And Kim's like, well, we were, but Granddaddy didn't want to wait around while I shop for my delicates. And, of course, Granddaddy Clissy says, a grown man, no play, uh, women's underwear that's no place for uh, an old man like me to be like eh, I get it I don't think that any guy would want to be hanging out in a lingerie store or a uh, Victoria's Secret I'm sure that'd be very uncomfortable Brad dude she's not into you stop trying to hit on Dean's sister he's like uh Kim, if you have any need some help, and Granddaddy Clisby just levels Brad without you, get your fanny over back by that fountain where you belong, boy. So, Kim's, like, kind of trading off, like, okay, he can hang out with you while I finish shopping. And Dean's like, but we're busy. And Kim's, like, standing around? Well, he can stand with you, then. <laughs> what is, like, pass off the grandparent to, like, I don't want to take him, you take him. No, you take him. Ugh. Not see you later, just see you in church. <laughs> school and he's talking to Dean about that he's, he says I know they make you go to school with them but you don't have to pretend to like them and Dean's like 
I do like them. Like, they're my friends. Well, when Dean says, I do like them, and Granddaddy Clisby says, oh, I guess we have overcome then. And Dean calls everyone over, you know, Cordy, Brad, Norman, some other white kid I've never seen before, um, Kisa, and another girl, and a white girl. Like, <laughs> he wants to introduce, you know, all the kids that are there from school to his grandfather. You know, just his close circle of friends. He says, hey, everyone, this is my granddad, Mr. Williams. He's going to be hanging out with us for a little bit. And Granddaddy Clisby, he can't get why kids are into the mall. Like, it's cold here. Why don't you want to go out and play in the sunshine? And then he also was talking about how, well, yeah, the kids are like, well, there's a food court. And Granddaddy Clisby said, well, you can eat at home. And then Corey brings up the fact that there's a movie theater in the mall. And... That's where Granddaddy Clisby brings up when Bill was young, he wanted to go to the movies. And Granddaddy Clisby says, well, at that time, when your dad was young, we had to sit up in the balcony. We couldn't sit down with everyone else. And Dean's like, well, Granddad, we don't have to sit in the balcony anymore. We can sit wherever. And, of course, some of the gets roped into paying for the kids to see a movie. Because, and Adult D narrates that he didn't know because his granddad pulls out a wad, like a wad, wad of cash. Like, he's carrying his whole bank account in his pocket. Because apparently it was hard back then to get a bank account if you were, I guess, his age or... I don't want to dare say black, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's 1968. I didn't know what they were, you know, what you could do and what you could not. I mean, I just think that's horrible. And, and, and Dean says, you know, one gust of wind and his, he'd be in the, granddaddy would be in the poorhouse. That's his whole life savings. There are people out there I've heard you know, that don't use banks. They keep all their money, like, in their mattress or underneath a floorboard or something like that because they don't trust banks. Yeah, he even says, you know, why young and healthy children will want to be hanging out in this cold mall. And I'm just thinking, as you get older, like, probably six in your 60s, do you get cold easily? I know I get cold easily, and I'm only 39. I mean, if I'm cold now, what's it going to be like when I'm, like, 65, 70 years old? <laughs> Wear a big, heavy winter coat wherever I go. It's, like, 90 degrees. <laughs> and I'm cold. Norman even asks, like, oh, can we get popcorn? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dean's like, you mean all of us? You, you'll pay for us, all of us? And Granddaddy Kusui's like, oh, yeah, because, of course... Uh, Kisa brings up the fact that they're playing Rosemary's Baby. I've never seen it. But let's just say when the kids get out of the theater, they're like, oh, that movie was rated R for a reason. And Granddaddy Clisby's like, please, you could not even see that baby's face. And when Granddaddy Clisby is talking about Bill being younger, wanting to be free and hang out with his friends and go to the movies, you know, he's talking about a time when, like, 
he was worried, you know, it wasn't safe for, you know, kids, you know, Bill to be running around doing stuff like that. It just was not safe. Think about that. If this is 1968 and Bill is like maybe you put him somewhere in his 30s. That means it was like the 30s. Well, what was the first big motion? trying to think. Wizard of Oz, that came out like, what, 39? When did Snow White come out? Because I know that was a Disney one that was like, it was, uh, let's see. Snow White, I think that was the first, that was, oh, good grief. Are they really trying to do a live action of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Why? Oh, I like Dumbo. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry that I'm screaming into the microphone. 1937. Okay, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What about, like, Wizard of Oz? I know that was in the 30s as well. 39, so it was two years after. Okay, gotcha. Uh, my gosh. Why Why with all these remakes? I mean, I know they got that Little Mermaid remake. I'm like, just, uh, no, just no. I liked Aladdin. I thought it was alright. I mean, I like Dumbo. I, bleh, I tried to get through the Lady in the Tramp live action. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Fuck no. Stick to the classics. That's what I say. Stick to the classic. It's like they want to literally remake every... The Lion King. That's another one. I was so excited to see the live action. Like, oh, this is going to be so great. Blah, blah. I see it. I saw in 2019 when we had come down to visit Texas, I figured, you know, since we're going to live here, we may as well, you know, go down there. And I was just thinking, like, uh, really? It's like the original dialogue from the cartoon was playing in my head and scenes were playing out in my head and saying, well, this dialogue was actually said by this character in the animated version. It just... It was weak sauce. To me, it was major weak sauce. I mean, if you liked it, awesome. But I just I did not care for it. When Kisa mentions Rosemary's baby, it's like we, and Brad's like, well, we still don't have money to go see it. And Dean says, well, my dad won't let me see R-rated movies. And Granddaddy's like, oh, well, I can change it. I'll get you all in. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Why is he? He's going to hear him. Oh, I feel like this is going to fall back on Granddaddy Clitsby. Like, uh, excuse me? You took my child to see an R-rated film? I did not give the okay for that. Bye-bye. These are the boys you gave to the mall to see? Yes, sir. Well, I know they made you go to school with them, but, uh, you don't have to pretend to like them. You understand? But I do like them. Yeah, well, guess we have overcome that, huh? Hey, everyone, come over here for a minute. Dad was so overprotective, and maybe it wasn't overprotective. 
you still don't have money for the movies. Rosemary's baby's playing. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, me too. But my dad doesn't want me to see R-rated movies. Your dad said that? Well, I'm in charge, and uh, I got money. I can get you in. Really? All of us? Yeah. Woo! Look at that! What a cash! notices the way that Dean is looking at Kisa. Like, oh yeah, that's your girlfriend, right? And he's like, no, the one with the cotton candy was, was my girlfriend. And he's like, well, I saw the way that you were looking at her, at the that girl over there. I'm surprised that uh, she's not your girlfriend, or something like that. And <laughs> Granddaddy Clisby says, you know, it's a good thing we're going to a scary movie. She might uh, want you to put your arm around her. And Dean saying something like, Granddaddy Clisby is a genius. Yeah, Granddaddy Clisby says, you know, if the blind boys of Alabama could see you right, or if the blind boys of Alabama were here, standing here, they'd be writing songs about how you're looking at that girl. And I looked it up. The Blind Boys of Alabama is a gospel, traditional black gospel, blues, uh, origin, Talladega, Alabama, 1939 to present. Also billed as the Five Blind Boys of Alabama. And Clarence Fountain and the Blind Boys of Alabama is an American gospel group. The group was founded in 1939, Talladega, Alabama, and has featured a changing roster of musicians over its history, the majority of whom are or were visually impaired. Okay. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, performed with such artists as Prince, Lou Reed, Peter Gabriel, Bonnie Raitt, Ben Harper, Bon Iver, Amadou Mer Merriam? I don't know who they are. Um, the group's cover of the Tom Waits song Way Down in the Hole was used as the theme song for the first season of the HBO series The Wire. They won five Grammy Grammys and a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2009. That is really interesting. See, I'm learning. I'm learning so much. Yeah, Granddaddy Clisby called Dean smart, and Dean saying that was the nicest thing Granddaddy ever said to me. <laughs> called him smart for picking a scary movie. I'm thinking, well, Kisa was the one that um, had brought up the Rosemary's Baby movie. Yeah, Granddaddy's like, you couldn't even see the the baby. And Brad's like, well, why can't I get it out of my head? <laughs> and Corey's like, I just want my mama. 
And Granddaddy can't believe it. I can't believe that movie scared you kids. Really? Yeah, he's telling the kids. He's like, I can't believe that movie. You're telling me that movie scared you? You got to toughen up. When I was 12, he said I killed a platoon of German soldiers. Yeah, he says I killed a platoon of German soldiers during the Great War. He said by the time I was 12. He says I shot some of them and put the bayonet to the rest of them. And of course I was going to ask, well, how did you... How'd they let you in the army? It's like, if you were 12, it's like, well, he was probably very tall and he probably was able to, you know, uh, fudge his birth certificate to make him, or maybe they didn't even really ask for real documentation back then. Who knows? If he was taller, if he was probably tall enough to look like he was 18, then they probably believed it. Keith is the one that asked, how'd they even let you in the army if you were still in junior high? And <laughs> Granddaddy Clusby says, because I had a full beard and mustache by the time I was 11. The kids all laugh. They love it. They love this guy. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he let him see an R-rated movie. He's laughing at, you know, they're laughing at his stories. Fun, fun, fun. And Adele Dean says, you know, my granddaddy did me a favor that day. I thought he was cool. My friends thought he was cool. They're all passing him by and shaking his hand. <laughs> so Granddaddy Clisby tells Dean, like, let's just keep this little, this R.A. movie between us, okay? Yeah. I don't think that it's going to, <laughs> to work out too well for him. Maybe he was softening up. That sure was rated R for a reason. Ah, please, you couldn't even see the baby. Then why is it still in my head? I just want my mama. Don't tell me this movie scared you, kids. You got to toughen up. Listen, when I was 12 years old, I had already killed a platoon full of German soldiers during the Great War. I shot some of them and put the bayonet to the rest of them. How'd they let you in the Army if you were still in junior high? Because I had a full beard and a mustache and a lip. <laughs> You're funny, Granddad. Thanks for the movie. Granddad did me such a huge favor that day. My friends thought he was cool, and that made me cool, too. Let's just keep this R-rated movie between the two of us. Sorry I'm late. I ran into a boy from school who worked at the shoe store. He invited me to a party, so I'm going to have to take it to the barbershop tomorrow. Sorry. Okay. Mm Listen, if the devil is looking to pick a bride, I got a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Kim comes along, apologizes for being late. She ran to a guy she knew from school at the shoe store, and he invited her to a party. So it's like, looks like the barbershop's going to have to wait till tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And Granddaddy Clisby's like, if the devil's looking for a wife, I got a suggestion right there. <laughs> so they're back at home watching some nature show, and... Granddaddy Clisby goes to Bill, who's, I guess, you know, doing some recording, rehearsing, whatnot with his band. And Granddaddy says, well, look, Kim kind of left me high and dry here. I need to get to the barbershop. And Bill says, well, one of his bandmates, Washboard, is really cooking. We're really firing right now. So, look, I'll run you home in about an hour, all right? Okay, great. And he just... 
Like, now it's like, granddaddy's an inconvenience. Like, like, he could just give him his car back, but they're probably thinking of the safety of him and everyone else on the road. Like, I can't do that. My guess is he's just going to take the car and just go with Dean. Because I know on IMDb there's a picture of Dean at the barber shop, so I think that's how this is going to end up. Yeah, he's gonna go by himself. Like, forget it, I'll drive myself. If he's not gonna know that the car's gone. gonna tell me when I can get a haircut he's like just and he's got a spare set of keys in the in his car he's like forget it I'm gonna be taking my car and getting my hair taken care of you know my god gotta get to the and he's like look Dean you coming or you not coming because also you might want to keep this on the DL listen <laughs> don't go snitching to your dad thinking you don't think he's not gonna notice when the car's not in the driveway? So yeah, like all right, now we're going. Now we're going. Dean narrates my first ride, joy ride in a stolen vehicle. Thelma had Louise, and I had my 73-year-old grandfather. <laughs> oh boy, this is gonna be a fun time. Oh my gosh, is something gonna happen? Oh no, I hope not. So, yeah, as they're driving, Granddaddy Clisby says, you know, your dad and your grandmother and that redneck off police officer don't know what they're talking about. I've been driving for 60 years. Yeah, it's like, I know what, I, I know what I'm doing. And, of course, yeah, Dean, expression on his granddad's face and stuff, sees him, kind of sees him and has a new respect for his granddad. He says, I related to him in a whole new way. And Dean said, you know, how he related to his grandfather in a whole new way because they were both tired of the uh, restrictions that were placed upon them. Like, how Dean is relating not being able to go to the mall by yourself in relation to his grandfather not being, you know, mentally 100% equipped to be behind the wheel and operating a vehicle and everything. Those are two totally different things. Yeah, Dean says how these are unfair limitations that were put upon Granddad and me. Well, I mean, I understand with them just saying, we don't feel comfortable yet with you being by yourself at the mall because, you know, things happen even in 1968. And the thing is, they're also thinking about, you know, Granddad and 
you know, they got to protect not just him being on the road, but other people as well. And if you don't have all your faculties when you're behind the wheel, it's best that you just let someone else sit in the driver's seat. Dean says, we have both gotten a taste of independence, and it was fun. They're just having a good old time. I guess something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. They're going to be pulled over, or he's going to nick a car driving down the road. Dean's smiling in the passenger seat, just saying, the two of us breaking rules together. Uh-huh. So, yeah, they're at the barber shop, and Coach Long just happens to be there. All right, and they're talking about Muhammad Ali and how, like, oh, maybe he should have just went into the army, and then that way he'd still be in the ring by this time. And then, yeah, he's, Granddaddy's talking about how, you know, athletes and politics, they just don't mix. So, looks like Granddaddy Clisby is schooling Coach Long in the fact that, you know, I served, my son served, my other grandson is currently serving in Vietnam, just saying, you know, you need to serve your country and everything like that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, whenever these things come up, it's just a touchy, touchy subject. That's why I don't... Have anything to do talking about those politics. I don't know nothing about them. Don't want to know nothing about them. Have no interest in knowing anything about them. Granddaddy Clisby says you got to be ready to fight and die for America. Yeah, and then Granddaddy Clisby pulls Dean. I'm like, ain't that right, Dean? And Dean's like sucking down a drink. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, they're I'm sure Coach Long's gonna be. What does a 12-year-old know about fighting and dying for America in the in, in war and politics and all that? I'm thinking, Dean's still going to play baseball for Coach Wong. Well, pull him into this argument. So Dean says, yeah, that's what the barbershop was good for, challenging your assumptions, making you think, and, of course, giving you a good laugh. So, of course, Coach Wong, being he is Dean's coach, says, Dean won't take a fastball for his team. What's to say that he would be able to die for his country? And uh, everyone there just laughs. <laughs> it's funny. But how the hell is he ready to die for for his country? Really? Dean, is it a funny thing? He laughs it off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I suck at baseball. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Granddaddy Clisby says, well, I mean, he wouldn't be able to serve in the army. Not with that hair. And he asks, you know, the guy cutting his hair, like, were you able to do anything with it? He's like, yeah, I pretty much just trimmed up just a smidge. I mean, his hair's short anyway. I don't know really what you could do with short hair. The barber says, now your grandson here looks nice and neat. He says, like, Wicked Wilson Pickett. Who's that? I'm going to look that up. So, yeah, just listening to... I've heard Mustang Sally before. I didn't know this guy was a singer. I thought, I, I don't know. I thought he was, like, an athlete or something. But, no, Wilson Pickett sang... Mustang Sally. I've heard of that song before, but I never once thought of who the singer. It's like sometimes you're familiar with these older songs. I know those songs, but then if someone's like, well, who's saying it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can tell a song if it were sung by the Beatles and stuff like that, or um, like Let's see, what's another song? Um, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. That's another old one that I like by The Platters. Um, Earth Angels, another one. I can't remember who sings that one. That's a good one. 
So Coach Long, Cliff is like, well, you just don't like the Afro style, Mr. Williams, because that's what Cliff's got. Coach Long's got the Afro style. So, <laughs> he said something about how Jesus had hair like wool or something like that. I'm not sure. And then he said, um, Grandpa Clisby <laughs> comes around and says, well, he's just saying that because his head looks like, his hair looks like the back of a sheep's dookie like what a, sheep, a sheep's ass a sheep's butt i don't know i had no idea when they pulled the camera back i had no idea because this guy like who's next next to coach long is just laughing his butt off i didn't know they were playing checkers and then cliff's like oh okay <laughs> well you're distracted from laughing i won <laughs> this honestly it sounds like such a fun time just hanging out listening to people talk about whatever when I get my hair, when I got my hair cut in the past, I mean, you're, there, you know, there'd be ladies talking about whatever, their, you know, kids or whatever's going on. Oh, yeah, when I would get my hair cut, because a couple times, when I went up to Michigan, you know, I stopped in Muskegon, and I got my hair cut there. I'm like, oh my gosh, you were, seems like you were just here. I'm like, no, I'm, I moved to Texas over a year ago. So anyway, it's like, when the ladies cut my hair, I'm like, Weren't you the one that we were talking about the show This Is Us? And we started talking about that show and stuff like that. So, it's just, I think that's cool. And, and, and just, you know, having moved down here, it's just trying to find a place to get your hair cut that is just where there isn't a language barrier between you and the person cutting your hair. Um, I did find someone, because um, I usually, I mainly just go to Great Clips, and I'm just like... I've tried a couple, I'm just not satisfied, so I'm like, well, there's a Supercuts, I'll try that. And she's like, alright, good, good, good. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I just, I, I need to be, when it comes to cutting my hair, it's like, if you can't tell what a fourth of an inch is, as far as, like, I want my hair cut like a half inch or a fourth of an inch, if you don't know that, then I just, maybe you shouldn't be cutting my hair. Assumptions and giving you a good laugh. 
Okay, so they're driving home and Granddaddy is talking about the guy who cut his hair when he first started cutting hair. He was so nervous, his hand was shaking like a leaf. And Granddaddy would tell him, like, don't put any zigzags in my hair. Now, he's distracted. He's talking. This is just like Grandpa Arnold in the Wonder Years' Grandpa's car. He's distracted. He's talking. He's not seeing. There's another car on the road. Dean, luckily grabs the wheel, yanks it to the right, and they end up taking out a mailbox post. Yeah. Luckily, there's no damage done in the car. There's nothing done to Dean and Grandpa. But... That's the thing. And, and that's the thing, though. These cars did not come with seatbelts. They just didn't. Luckily, Granddaddy slammed on the brakes, but that was right before he whomped right through that mailbox and post like it was made of a toothpick. And we see inside the car, he's asking, like, Dean, like, are you okay? And Dean is just, you know, kind of, looks like he's kind of pushed up near the door. Because he probably ducked down thinking that, you know, mailbox was going to come through the windshield. And he's asking, like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? And Granddad is just like, yeah, I just, give me a minute to collect myself. It's like, your life probably flashed before your eyes. Dean probably thought he was going to die, that the mailbox was going to come through the windshield. There, Like I said, there are no seatbelts in that car. There are none. So your body's going to be flinging all over the back seat. I'm surprised that Dean didn't get slammed into the door and ends up with arm damage or something like that. But this is a jolt of reality. It's like maybe now that Dean's here and he's seeing this, like maybe Granddad Dad does need someone to drive for him. Because that's the thing. You could be off, your mind could be a million miles away, but when you're in the driver's seat, your mind needs to be on the road, looking at cars, making sure you're staying on your side of the road. All it takes is a split second for your mind to wander, and you could end your life or somebody else's. It happens that fast. That's the thing in Michigan, it's like, especially living on the country, it's like, why insurance are probably so high because of a lot of car deer accidents. You just don't know. Like you be driving at night with the headlights on and bam, a deer just jumps right out in front of your car. And what are you going to do? Probably your first instinct is to slam on the brakes. But they say, they usually say, no, you let that deer hit your car. Odds are it's just going to hit it. But if you swerve, 
like I had done one time when I was like 18. No, I was 17. And it was dark and a deer, and like the deer like hit like the right side of the front of the headlight area. It, like he kind of nicked the end of the deer. So, but I, because it was late at night, there wasn't really any traffic. My car wound up in a ditch. And I remember going to the house that was there and asking to use the phone. And I called my dad. He's like, well, are you okay? And I say, yeah. And he's like, well, then what are you doing? I'm thinking, well, my car's in a ditch. Because <laughs> I swerved and then my car kind of fishtailed. And yeah, I wound up in a ditch. Luckily, I didn't hit any other cars. Luckily, the air didn't come through the windshield. But still, even at night, it's like you need to be a hundred. You think you need to be cautious during the day. You need to be a thousand times more cautious at night. Because with your with your high beams and stuff or with your lights, you can only see pretty much probably not too much in front of you or just directly in front of you. You're not going to be able to see what is on the other side of either sides of your car unless it's going to be right in front of you. And Grand Henny Clisby says, he asked Dean, like, are you sure you're okay? Because I don't know what I do if something happened to you. Oh my gosh. That's the thing, yeah, definitely. You don't want to hurt, you know, your kid. The thing is, he's thinking of his grandson. He's not thinking of himself. Like, just give me a minute. Are you sure you're okay? Granddaddy is really shook up about this. Damn it. And Dean is just trying to, like, it was just a little accident. It's like, no, buddy, it's more than that. It is more than that. I think he's coming to the realization that maybe he just maybe shouldn't be driving. He shouldn't have someone else be doing this because he almost, he could have really hurt himself and his grandson and whoever else was driving that car. I was surprised that th that car just kept going. They didn't stop and like, hey, are you all right? You know, or gotten mad. Like, what are you trying to do? You could have killed me or something like that. I get Dean is trying to be company. He's like, well, my dad almost ran over a squirrel last week. I'm like, buddy, that is not the same thing as almost getting into an accident and hurting another person. I know he's trying to be helpful, and which, you know, as a kid, that's probably what you're trying to do. You're trying to, like, ease the situation a little by just saying, like, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, I almost hit a squirrel. I mean, like, yeah. As a kid, what can you say in that situation? Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And Dean says, yeah, my mom was so scared she almost said a bad word. You know, and, uh, granddad, I, this was a sweet scene, because he... Kind of chuckles at that, you know, and he takes Dean's hand and just kind of grips it like, oh, I don't want anything to happen to you, son. He loves that boy. He does. He may be, you know, hard with his, his complaining and whatnot, but no, he, he loves that boy. <laughs> and I'm starting to tear up. That was really a sweet. A sweet, endearing, endearing scene. No, no, no. When Bray first started cutting hell, he was just so nervous. His, his hands were shaking like a leaf. I had to say to him, I said, now don't you dare cut no zigzags in my hair. Oh, so it's a radio. 
She even almost said a bad word, too. So, they pull into the driveway. Of course, we see Bill and Lillian come out. And Dean kind of narrates how he learned a lot about his granddaddy that day. Why black, you know, why he goes to the barbershop, you know, even if his hair hasn't changed in 20s. Yeah, just to talk and get out and, you know, see people and stuff like that. Oh, I guess, yeah, because when he hit that, you did hear the radiator hissing. And Lillian's like, where have you been? We've been so worried. Of course, Bill's like, look at the car. Look at the car. It's like, dude, calm down. I get they're worried. I get they're upset. But yelling and throwing blame is not going to help the situation. Yeah, Bill's like, how many times do I have to tell you? He's asking, Dean, Dean, are you okay? Are you okay? And... Granddaddy Clisby just hands Bill the keys and says. And Dean narrates, you know, seeing his granddad having to be forced to be dealing with these new, uh. Yeah, he's, he, he narrates how, uh, you know, watching his granddad deal with this new, uh, situation. And he, he's kind of putting the brakes on his own, restricting, like. But he doesn't say anything. He just, it's like, sometimes in these situations, you don't need, to, there are no words to say. Just forced to accept what's much more than the uh, limitations that were put upon him. So I see now that Dean is realizing, like, his grandfather's new situation here with the limit are far more harder, you know, him realizing, like, he, he just, he can't drive anymore. And that is a lot harder than some kid talking about r limitations of being allowed out of the house to go to the mall by himself. Like, that is completely separate from that. They don't even belong in the same category. And Dean also narrates, you know, I also appreciated how difficult this was for my dad. I kind of wonder if Dean is going to say, because now I'm in my dad's shoes. And dealing with him having to give up, you know, his keys and his independence. And Dean says, you know, how it may be difficult for him one day when he has to do the same thing to his dad. Oh, Dean's like, nah, I'm gonna, <laughs> thinking to adult, Dean's like, nah, I'm gonna love telling him what to do. You say that then, but honestly, mm, no, I, I, I don't see any kid liking that shift of power of them being in the position to parent their their parent and their parent being the child Nah, I'm 
Alright, so it looks like Kim is now dropping Dean off at the mall by himself, and adult Dean narrates how older generations and younger generations have more in common than they think. Younger and older generations have more in common than what appears on the surface. Dean narrates how we both want independence and self-determination. Granddaddy Clisby, as Dean says, and freedom, even if that freedom didn't start out. Oh, he says, even if that freedom doesn't start until you're down the street with your friends. <laughs> oh, it says, where, even if that freedom starts down the street when you're with your friends so they can't see you, uh, you get dropped off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, it's like, drop us off here. <laughs> All right, looks like we get to see uh, Granddaddy Clisby's going and hanging out after, I guess, after closing time or... When it, after dark at the barbershop, and then Dean's hanging out with his friends at the mall. <laughs> Younger and older generations always have more in common than it appears on the surface. <laughs> we both want independence, self-determination. All right, and that's the episode there. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, let's see. Um, do we have a best outfit of the episode? Hmm. I don't. I, I guess I could go with like what Brad's wearing at the very end. He it looks like he's wearing this red like long sleeve shirt with the collar popped. I guess that, because other than that, I mean, that's about all that I saw. Uh, worst outfit, again, don't really have one. Wonderling Words of Wisdom. I just say, don't take advantage of your independence as far as doing something that's going to get your keys taken away from you. Just do the best to be responsible, especially when you're behind the wheel. Know that you're not only responsible for your own life, but the lives of others on the road as well. That it's just, I know it's fun to, like, get behind the wheel and stuff, but it's, like, this is a major adult responsibility. If you think about it, you only have so many years of driving board, or eventually your eyesight, your hearing, all of that, your consciousness is going to play a part in, you know, your age. And one day you're just going to realize that you just, your driving days are done. As sad as that is, it's like that's just a step that it's like you can make that decision for yourself or someone else can step in and say, I'm sorry, but you're done. One song in particular that has a line like that, it's by Joe Nichols. It's called If Nobody Believed in You. Let's see. Let's see if we get the lyric. Okay. This is such a good, amazing song. <clears throat> I'm going to read the, the whole lyrics because this is beautiful. I watched him take the two-strike call. He hadn't tried to swing at all. I guess he had all he could take. He walked away, for goodness sake. His father's voice was loud and mean. You won't amount to anything. That little boy quit trying. He just walked away. There were, there were teardrops on his face. 
tell me how would you feel? You'd probably give up too if nobody believed in you. So this is pretty much the same guy. You know, his dad is mean. Now his, his dad's an old man. The young boy is a grown adult. That old man said, one more try. I know I'm not too old to drive. I promise, son, I'll do my best. This time, I'm going to pass the test. And the son says, give me the keys, dad, and get in. His father never drove again. That old man quit trying. He just turned away. There were teardrops on his face. Tell me how would you feel? You'd probably give up too if nobody believed in you. Now they're talking about God. We take his name out of the schools. The lawyers say it breaks the rules. Pledge of Allegiance cannot be read and under God should not be said. I wonder how much he will take. I just pray it's not too late. What if God quit trying? He just turned away. There were teardrops on his face. Tell me how would you feel? You'd probably give up too if nobody believed in me. If nobody believed in you. And that Neil continues with the repeating that line. This is such a good song. Such a good song. Oh my god. It really, it makes you think. So let's go and read. I actually screenshot it because last time I had issues with IMDb's review. So uh, IMDb was being a butthole. Um, <laughs> um, so I screenshot the um, the review. And I kind of find it. Here it is right here. <laughs> okay. Gives it a 10 out of 10. Says Grandpa is the best. November 4th, 2021. Warning spoilers. Such a fun character. So prickly. I have to watch till the end to see what happens. Yay! He's my new favorite character. I love this show. The characters have such chemistry. I hope nothing happens to Grandpa. Alright, so as I said for next week, which is the 19th through the 25th, I will be covering both Season 1, Episode 8, Science Fair, which aired November 17th, 2021. In this episode, after seeing Dean bullied by Michael, Lillian confronts Michael's parents. Lillian helps Michael with his science project. Okay, so seeing Michael bullying Dean after school, Lillian goes to confront his parents, learns that he needs more compassion than discipline. Much to Dean's dis dismay, she takes Michael under her wing and helps him with his project for the science fair, an event where Dean typically excels. And of course, the Christmas, so that one's going to go up on the 22nd, which is Wednesday. And the next episode, which of course I'm doing them separately, season one, episode nine, Home for Christmas. This episode aired December 1st, 2021. Dan can't wait to spend Christmas with his older brother, Bruce. When he returns home from Vietnam, Bruce struggles to adjust to life back in Montgomery. The rest of the family rely on their favorite holiday tra traditions to bring cheer. I'm really looking forward to seeing Bruce, meeting him, and seeing if... Because we remember Wayne's friend, Wart. David Warchafter, at the end of season five, he went off to Vietnam. He didn't have scoliosis, or, I mean, not scoliosis, but, sir, uh, what was it? Like, psoriasis, psoriasis or something? I can't remember. Wayne had a skin issue that, uh, 
the army was kind of worried like he'd have issues when they're in the jungles and the heat and everything like that. So apparently they're afraid of his back peeling in the jungle. So, but David Warchafter goes through, heads off to boot camp. Season six, he returns in the episode called Homecoming. And clearly the war has affected David Warchafter. He doesn't really let on too much. But, and he doesn't talk about the things that happened over there. But you can tell he's not a fan of crowds. Loud noises kind of stress him out, which understandable. And then at the end, we do see him with his clothes folded. He's on the baseball field. Diamond's sitting on the bench. His clothes are folded beside him. He's sitting in his boxer shorts, bent over, you know, crying, his dog tags hanging down and when Wayne comes I'll play the clip when I cover that episode but um Wayne comes over and he's like Wart are you okay and Wart looks up with tears in his eyes at Wayne and says doesn't feel like anything quite fits anymore and he's not just talking about his clothes he's talking about just himself and being back home and Wayne takes off his shirt and hands it to Ward and says, that's okay, you can wear mine. And Ward stands up and he hugs Wayne and just, he breaks down. And Kevin is just kind of standing up because he's got this, the other team, like football teams, like Owl or something like that. And as he's watching this go, like, hey guys, you got the Owl. And then just lets the the owl just soar and just go, you know leave and just fly away and everything. But oh, such a powerful ending that episode. But now I want to, like I said, I wanted to do. So those are the two episodes I'm gonna separately be covering the week of Christmas. So the next, <laughs> I wanted to play a couple clips from the original. Wonder Years 1, of course, is from The Powers That Be. One scene that Jeremy and I, whenever we see it, we just, it's its so funny. We just, we laugh so hard. It's from season, it's actually season 3. I'm sorry, it's not season 4, it's season 3. I believe it's episode 12, The Powers That Be. We meet Grandpa Arnold. And I'm just going to play some clips from that episode and then also the, um, one from season five called Grandpa's Car. It's just, you meet him, and you're like, definitely, they are different. It's just from watching um, Jack and his dad kind of interact with each other. Like, Grandpa is just very jovial, but he's still kind of a crotchety old man where he complains about, you know, certain foods he can't eat anymore, like biscuits. And, you know, Pepper being in the potatoes and stuff. And Jack just takes that as a, you're poking at my life and just making these comments and stuff like that. And Norma, of course, trying to be the peacemaker. So I'm going to play a scene from that. I'm going to play this clip first. Uh, this one is where Kevin's exhausted, having to take care of his puppy, walk him right before school, all that stuff. So he's exhausted and Grandpa says, hey, how about we go out for some ice cream? And then they get ready to go, and Jack's like, well, wait a minute, Kevin, did you walk your dog? And Kevin's like, well, I'll do it later. And Jack says, no, you're going to do it right now. 
The dog wants to go to the bathroom. He's not going to wait for you to come back after you've had ice cream. And then, of course, yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, Grandpa's like, well, just give the kid a break. You know, he wants to go for some ice cream. I see nothing wrong with that. And then Jack's like, the dog's got to go. He's not going to wait 20 minutes. Would you want to wait 20 minutes? And, of course, Grandpa Arnold's like, not for my ice cream. And then, of course, because when he, he arrived, he backed into this light post on their lawn. And Jack just finally got it replanted in the ground. And then, of course, again, because Grandpa Arnold is driving this boat of a car. They had those back in the 60s and 70s. Pain in the ass, I'm sure. <laughs> Trying to turn little damp things. But it's like, it's, at least they didn't hit that retaining wall that's separating, you know, their driveway from the neighbors. But even still, it's like, damn it! I just put that in the ground! Now I gotta redo it again! Stay on the damn driveway, for sake! Oh, my goodness. Take the dog to piss Kev. first and then you can go. That's not a piss. Kev, wait up. Not to pee in the house. Look, I know it seems I'm being a little tough on you. Tough? Well, no more than say Genghis Khan. Believe me, there's a reason. Okay, I was willing to listen to reason. It's just What is Kevin exactly then? That's pretty old. Damn, man. I swear. Okay, so now we're going to get to the dinner scene. And they're just, um, I guess there's something just as an older man he can't. And he's a heavier dude. I mean, your metabolism slows down as you get older. You're going to put on weight and whatnot. So there's things he can handle. Can't handle starch and biscuits and can't handle pepper and potatoes probably you know i can imagine probably does give them indigestion your body just it can't handle that stuff spicy stuff no starch probably backs you up so jack has had enough he honestly thinks that dad his dad is personally attacking norma's cooking it's like and norma even says you know i'll go to the store get you whatever you want and jack's like yeah go make another meal he won't eat and it's just like, uh, and, and the, his dad is just like, well, I just, I can't handle those things. I just, 
I can't handle it. Jack, when you... Well, actually, Jack isn't going to get to live that long to find out, sadly. Um, but yeah, just... I mean, if that's the case, and you're just... Look, there's some things I... My body, unfortunately, can't handle anymore. Just... Yeah, just... Or even just say, okay, um, before you, like, have him take his share, and then you can put pepper in the potatoes. Or something. I don't know, just... I don't know, making little, you know, allowances and stuff and whatnot. But yeah, Jack, Jack's had enough. He's done. It's like, I can't take it anymore. You know, and I'm sure there, you know, people don't like that when their parents visit because their parents are nitpicking about, like, oh, you don't keep the house clean. Oh, you should be doing this. Why aren't you doing that? You know, if you cared more about this, you'd be taking care of it. Yeah, that's not going to get annoying. How many potatoes are you eating, Ryan? So how is everything? Delicious, Norma. Couldn't be better. Yeah, couldn't be better. Fathers and sons, I wouldn't understand. What did Dad meant by that? Now what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. You're right. Everyone's teeth, though. These are toothpicks. Well, I'm going shopping tomorrow. Maybe I can pick you up some things. Don't you be foolish, Norma. You buy everything the same way you always do. <laughs> sure. Spend another day cooking a meal he won't eat. Grandpa, why don't you try some biscuits? They should be easy to digest. You can't eat biscuits. Right, Dad? I can't. Tell him why not. Kind of personal attack. She spent a lot of time cooking this meal. The least you could do. John, pepper gives me gas, all right? The potatoes have pepper in them. Forget the damn potatoes. I'm talking about a little respect here. Can I say something, please? Kevin, just stay out of this. Yeah. I only just got my pepper left. Yeah, you don't need to sit there and be part of the talk. What do you want me to say? You waltz in here, you pick out my wife's food, you run over my lamppost, and you bring a dog. The dog was a gift, John. What do you want from me? <laughs> they just kept on arguing. They didn't even notice I'd gone. Dog, you didn't even bother to ask my permission. Oh, now I gotta ask your permission to give my grandson a dog? Yeah, Dad, my permission. Is that too much to ask when you're in my house? I don't tell you when to come and go. <laughs> you want me to go, I'll go. That's up to you. Yeah. I'd go tonight. Except I didn't bring my other glasses. You're driving around without your driving glasses. Grandpa. How can you forget your damn driving glasses? I forgot it. It's as simple as that. Listen to me. 
I wanted them to tell me why they were fighting, why they kept hurting each other like this, why the two men who meant the whole world to me had to act like children. But most of all, I just wanted them to stop. Here. All right, so being this episode was also about Dean going to the mall, we are going to take a look at some scenes from Season 3, Episode 3, entitled Wayne on Wheels, where Wayne gets his driver's license and Kevin needs to go to the mall. Unfortunately, they are going to clash because it's just what happens. This wasn't just a question about shoes. This was a question about manhood. Pass, hard pass. Yeah, they suck. No. Or you could just not. Well, maybe Paul was right. Maybe we'd get him next weekend. After all. So yeah, Kevin's talking about um, being unsupervised at the mall, the square footage of the mall, the fact, you know, the food, the girls from other schools, apparently, because, like, hey, I can meet up girl with girls that don't even go to the school I go to. They know nothing about me. And Paul, of course, he's in the shoe store. I swear they're like in the ladies' section. The shoes that he's looking at look fucking fugly. They look fugly as hell. Like, are you sure you're in the boys' teens? Because Kevin says in the window when he sees a pretty girl who kind of looks like a 70s version of uh, Mary Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie, only wearing, you know, 70s, 1970s clothes. Um... <laughs> You know, he's talking about PF Flyers in the window. I'm thinking, the shoes that they're surrounded by in that section all look like ladies' shoes. So now, you know, because Kevin's saying, you know, the only way to get to the mall is to have Mom drive me, you know, drop me off, and then she leaves. You know, Dean 
didn't get that privilege right away until eventually, you know, they worked it out where Kim could just drop him off and, you know, he could just hang out with his friends and whatnot. So, yeah, Wayne's got his license, so he wants to take the car. And, of course, Kevin's like, well, wait a minute, Mom. It's Saturday. You said you would take me to the mall. So, simple, simple situation here. Solution. Norma says, well, I have an idea. Why don't you just, you know, drop Kevin off at the mall and, uh, you know, then you can see Dolores. And then Wayne's all complaining, like, well, I didn't get my license so I could just beat Kevin's chauffeur. It's like, no, now that you have your license, Norma says, you know, one of the jobs is to drive your brother around. good friend. So Kevin finds his dream girl. <laughs> She's going to go see Romeo and Juliet. She's like, oh, I'm going to go buy a ticket and go watch this movie. <laughs> Mom's like, Kevin, I'm not seeing. I'm like, oh, fine. 
Because <laughs> I guess they walked around the mall for like three fucking hours, couldn't find the girl. How big is this damn mall? It's like the Stonewood Mall or something like that. So now it's, you know, getting out of the movie and Kevin and Paul are hanging around. And Paul's like, look, Kevin, either you can talk to this girl or you're not. If you're not, we may as well just go. So as he's making his way to this girl, all of a sudden, a horn honks. It's Wayne. And of course, he's going to bear embarrass the hell out of Kevin. Like, hey, baby brother. Gonna get your Mac on. With the, this girl. <laughs> I love the girl's, that girl's face. She's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> She's smirking. Like, dude, you're gonna run over somebody. open the door and get in and then he, he continues to like pull ahead like a foot and keeps doing it. Of course he he's lucky he didn't hit somebody who was walking in front of the car. It's a mall. There's going to be people like going to their cars. It's late at night. So of course he gets his driving privileges suspended and when Jack and Norma feel like they're kind of gonna, like okay I guess we'll let you have the car. But you got to take Kevin to the mall. It's like, okay, sure, yeah, Kev, you ready to go? So, yep, gets in the car, and Wayne is just sitting there. Paul's in the back seat, and Kevin's just like, take me to the damn mall. What the hell? And, yeah, Wayne, like, gives him 20 bucks to go hang out at Paul's house for the afternoon. And Paul finally, you know what? I don't want any part of this. I'm going to go hang out with my sister at home. Bye. Oh, ten Dark out? No, you promised Dad. I can get my license so I can be your chauffeur. Okay, so what are we supposed to do? I'll give you a choice. Get out of the car or die. Is Tim 
It's dark out. Wayne is being very reckless. He is just speeding and swinging the wheel. So the car is swinging from the across the road. And he's just looking at Kevin and laughing as Kevin is just like fearing for his life. And Wayne almost hits someone who's working under the hood of their car in the road. And Kevin's like, Wayne, watch out! And then Wayne reacts and turns the wheel hard, and then they wind up in a cornfield. You just hear Kevin screaming and just thinking how his life is flashing before his eyes, and, you know, the big house he lived in with the yard, and how he's never going to see it again. It's like, oh, my God. I thought they were – I remember seeing this probably in a rerun a very long time ago and thinking, oh, my gosh, they're, like, going through a cornfield. I thought they were going to hit someone's house. I thought they were going to wind up in someone's backyard and hit their house or something like that. silence we began to realize the absurdity of our situation <laughs> we were two people with almost nothing in common thrown together by circumstance the harder we struggled against that fact the more tightly we were bound together Because you could hear in that clip, I'm sure, that car was making some serious rattling noises. They just drove 30 miles an hour through a cornfield. I'm sure they picked up some stray stalks along the way. And, of course, when they get home, they got to, you know, sell that story to uh, 
Jack, like, well, how fast were you going? And it's like, uh, 15, uh, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he finds a corn stalk, like, in the wheel well. Right, Quinny? That's right. Good thing you can't drive, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, of course, the last couple clips we're going to play is from Season 5, Episode 12, Grandpa's Car. Grandpa Arnold struggles with his inability to drive, but after soul-searching in the drive-down memory lane, he accepts his condition and hands a large part of his life over to Kevin, as then he gives Kevin his car for, like, I think it's, like, a dollar or two dollars or something. And just Jack, like, finding out, like, ugh, his dad had been in an accident and they got to pick Grandpa Arnold up from the police station. Bad on exits. It's your father. <laughs> Where is he? The police station. What the hell is he doing at the police station? <laughs> He's had an accident. Okay. <laughs> He's alive. accident had been something less than fatal. What, you hit somebody? It was nothing like that. It was a little fender bender. Couldn't be avoided. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this straight now. The car was parked on the side of the road. I just nicked it as I went by. That's all. You hit a parked car? Don't start with me on this. But, Dad, John, the important thing is nobody got hurt. Isn't that right, Kevin? Now, let's find my car. driving violation in three third accident mind you in three months no six months was it i'm trying to think anyway and the fact that he's like bound on to like ah he just nicked a car as i drove by no one was hurt and jack's like you hit a parked car the fuck what 
And then uh, Grandma was like, duh, 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 don't worry about it. It's fine. Nothing happened. No one was hurt. Everything's fine. So he's like, all right, let's go. And the officer's like, Mr. Arnold, I'm afraid I can't let you operate this vehicle. You uh, were driving on a suspended le- or, uh, probationary license. And you had an accident while on a probationary license, so we're going to have to suspend, you know, just your driving privileges, they're, they're gone. So, <laughs> I like the fact that Grandpa always drags Kevin into his argument to side with him. And just, uh, so Kevin's like, oh, I'll drive your car, Grandpa. And Jack's like, no, you're going to ride with your mother. We haven't had enough accidents. So, yeah. Now they're at the dinner table. And he's complaining about the fact that, yeah, and he keeps, he told the officer, well, are you harassing taxpayers? I'm thinking, they don't give a fuck if you pay your taxes or don't. They just want to make sure the road is safe for other drivers. So, at the dinner table, he's like, I can't do this, you know? And Jack's like, Dad, they can, they did, it's over, let's move on. So, yeah, it definitely sounds like Grandpa Arnold is making a hell of a bigger stink about this than Granddaddy Clisby. I mean, he was, you know, irritated, too, but it's just, Jack cannot control his dad. At least Grandfather Clisby eventually realized, I mean, because Grandpa Arnold realizes it, too, eventually when he's with Kevin after the accident. But I think it's when you have someone else in the car, it's not just your life at risk. It's also the person who's riding along with you. And just the idea that you could have hurt yourself and somebody you loved by your mistake. So, Grandpa Arnold's all like, that officer wouldn't know a good driver if he got run over by one. And Wayne's like, Grandpa, be honest here, okay? Were you gunning it? Did you have the pedal to the metal when you hit that car? And apparently, no, he was going 25 miles an hour. And Wayne's like, 25 miles an hour, and you still hit it, the car? (laughs) Oh, God. So Jack kind of sums it up as Grandpa Arnold, as you knew from the powers that be. He's got to wear driving glasses, you know, to to help with his driving. And he pretty much hits the nail on the head this time around. Like, your driving glasses, you weren't wearing them, were you? Yeah, I figured. And Grandpa was like, well, they don't fit right. I'm like, those ear, I guess probably the part that goes over uh, behind the ear and stuff probably rubs up against his ear. Older folks, they are irritated by everything. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Every little excuse not to wear something that you are required. If it says on your driver's license corrective lens, it's like you get pulled over and you're not wearing your glasses and it says you're supposed to, you're going to probably get a ticket. You had to admit, it didn't really make sense because he wasn't wearing his glasses. <laughs> Am I right, Dad? You weren't wearing your driving glasses, were you? They don't fit right as a thing. They're just cockamamie earpieces that don't work right. Besides, my eyes are just fine. Dad, earpiece or not, you're stuck. You don't have a license, so you can't drive a car, and that is that. Do we understand each other? It was a bitter pill, but there was nothing more Grams could say. Except, of course, aren't lamb chops supposed to be juicy? Mm (laughs) Okay. 
So Kevin's got to bunk down with old grandpa there since he's still got, you know, two beds in his room since Wayne took over Karen's room. And grandpa's going on about, you know, back in my day, I learned to drive 19, what did he say, 1921? They had cars in it? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he said he drove it off the lot and the guy he bought the car from actually told him how to drive, showed him how to drive. That was his driver's license. And just, you know, the law is not right and this and that. And I'm thinking, and Kevin's like, look, the law's the law. You're kind of screwed. I don't know what to tell you. Kevin's just like, we're going to be up all night with this. Him constantly complaining, I got to, like, put this fire out and shut him down for the night. So Kevin's like, Grandma, please just tell me you won't drive again. Please. Promise me you're not going to get behind the wheel. So, yeah, next morning, they're wondering where the hell Grandpa is because the car's gone, the keys are gone, he's gone. What in the hell? You said you weren't going to drive, damn it. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, he went out to go. He's going to make pancakes or waffles or some shit. And he realized there weren't any waffle mix in the house. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's my excuse. Again. Like, you're not supposed to fucking drive. You don't got a fucking license. Who's paying that damn ticket I'm sure he's got? Have you met your daughter? Son, 
You want to drive your doddering old grandpa home? And suddenly, I was trapped between a Gramps and a hard place. Sure. Yeah, I guess I could. Good. Let's get moving. Watch out. And from that point on, there was nothing left to say but... Drive carefully, honey. Okay, Mama, I will. And so it began. Go easy on the gas. She's got a hell of a punch. The great overland automobile trick to grandfather's house of 1972. So, yeah, comes home. He's got eggs. He want to make his famous waffles. And there's no waffle mix and everything. And Jack's like, you weren't supposed to be out driving the car. What the hell are you doing? And, yeah, Grandpa's like, oh, my. Because Jack's like, your eyes shot is, sight is shot. You don't have a license. And then, to prove his point, which is a weak-ass point to begin with, like, Kevin, hold up that waffle mix box. See, it says Lula's Waffle Mix, 7-cent coupon inside. And Jack's like, great, Dad. Why don't you try reading a box that you haven't been buying for 25 years? And, of course, Grandpa Arnold's like, a box is a box, John. <laughs> sure, Grandpa, whatever. So, he's saying he's going to go home. Jack's saying, no, you cannot drive, because he's, now he's packing, and he's saying, fine, let the boy drive me, and Wayne's like, no, I don't want to, and I love how Grandpa Wayne, Grandpa Wayne, <laughs> we don't know, did Wayne have kids? Is he a grandpa? I don't know. Grandpa Arnold's all like, not you, I love how he just dismisses Wayne, like, don't care about him care about Kevin. So, like, let the boy drive. Kevin, Kevin, you can, you got a license? Apparently that's what you need to drive in the state, right? All right. And, and Jeff's like, Kevin, are you sure? So, yeah, now Kevin's in the driver's seat and taking his old doddering grandfather home. The great trek of 1972, the last drive of Grandpa. So yeah, Kevin's in the driver's seat, Grandpa Arnold's in the passenger seat. However, they get a few miles down the road, and Grandpa Arnold asks Kevin to, to pull over, because he wants to drive, and Kevin, that does not sit right with him. It's like, Grandpa, you promised us you wouldn't drive, and... Grandma Arnold just kind of turns like, yeah, no, 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 don't worry. We got, we got a long way to go. And they proceed to, this is like Grab Arnold's, later we learn, this is his last journey in his car, and he's going to make a stop at just about every place. Fruit roads, roadside stand, a diner that he and his wife, I guess, used to frequent. They're asking, he's asking for someone who used to work there. And the guy who's running the counter of the diner kind of looks at him like, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and the guy, honestly, I think when I officially reviewed this episode years ago, I said he kind of looked like a poor man's uh, River Phoenix, which is sad because you know, River, River Phoenix, you know, passed away. But he, he, he does kind of look like him a little bit. Not so much. I mean, the hair is the same color, but it's kind of curly. But the, the facial structure is kind of similar to River Phoenix. So, yeah, Kevin's kind of narrating how it's farther than he'd ever driven before, and odds are he probably would have to take a bus back to get home. But, you know, it was morning time. It just, he, he's got that sense of adventure for about a block and a half. And, uh, yeah, it's like, as soon as Grandpa knew, like, okay, we're far enough away from the house, like, all right, pull over right here. And Kevin's like, excuse me? And Grandpa says, no, no, right here, right here is good. All right, I'm driving. Get out. 
And Kevin's like, wait a minute, you heard Dad. And, of course, Grandpa Arnold's like, hey, come on, you're riding shotgun. shotgun. It's like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Kevin was not expecting this. And I just, I find Grandpa Arnold, as jovial as he is, you can see he easily gets irritated, which probably any person over the age of 65, 70 probably easily gets irritated by little things. I mean, if I think that I'm that way a little bit now, who knows what it's going to be like once I hit, like, 75. Kevin, you know, he likes to take any opportunity he gets to get behind the driver's seat. Understandable. It's a 16, 17-year-old, of course. I mean, I would have been the same way. A little bit. But, yeah, he's just sitting there kind of stewing in the passenger seat, just really pissed off. The fact that he'd been uh, blindsided by his own grandfather. And his grandpa's trying to make conversation, and Kevin's just like... Don't talk to me. Finally, Kevin's like, hey, look, I was supposed to drive. I mean, you promised me last night you wouldn't. And it's like, oh, I didn't. Grandpa's like, oh, I didn't know you had that much spunk in you. It's like, I don't think that's it. Sense. Here we were, reliving old memories, 
and I had no idea why. Millie around today? Who? <laughs> Millie, she runs the place. She probably quit and died. <laughs> you probably haven't been there that long. Looks like fresh out of high school. diner yeah kevin admits like you know he's kind of you know he's in a hurry you know he wants to get home he don't want to be on this long trip that took like a whole damn day and, and grandpa's like oh you're in a hurry and kevin's like yeah kind of <laughs> and of course grandpa is like oh well, well, well i guess we better step on it then so then they start kevin says they stopped at every damn pit stop <laughs> more than like a nascar racer or something that a race car, car driver so it's like oh yeah yay and then kevin's just getting he's getting more and more pissed off he doesn't want to be there and uh, just still dope that he could be behind the wheel he'd probably be more happier if he were by, behind the wheel of course so it's like once you get that taste of freedom it's like the idea of going back to being a passenger kind of sucks <laughs> Especially when you're a teenager. So, again, Grandpa Arnold telling stories, not paying the fuck attention. He, either that's an intersection or that's just a road that he drove into. Because you got crossing traffic. He almost fucking hit somebody. Because he's like, Kevin's like, Grandpa, watch out. And then it's just him reacting to, you know, cars coming at him and, well, from left and right, and then he finally gets to the other side, across the um, intersection, and pulls over, and Kevin finally realizes that's what happened, right? You were looking out the window, not paying attention, right? That's how it happened? That's how you got into that accident? And, of course... Grab Arnold in his defense. Like, well, I was paying attention. And Kevin says, well, then how do you hit a parked car? And the thing that Grab Arnold says, and I 100% agree with him, when it's late in the day, the sun is low to the point where it's literally right in your fucking eyeballs. Because he's saying about the rearview mirror. So he's driving and someone's behind him. And he was see. He said it was glinting off. It was so low, it was glinting off the hubcaps. Which, but the thing is, I've had that where the sun is low. It's like seven o'clock. The sun is like literally eye level with your eyeballs, and you're trying to drive. 
or even it's been in the morning, you know, I once had to go to an appointment and the sun is so low as it's rising. It's right in your field of vision. You can't really see. You're like, feel like you're driving visually impaired. And ugh, it's, it's fucking nuts. And the thing, I remember, yeah, this one time I was driving uh, in the evening and the sun was just right, you know, there in your eye level. And you're just, I'm, I'm five foot two. So I'm like trying to like moving up and down in my seat, trying to get, so it's almost like I can peer around the sun so I can see out the windshield at cars. You know, that, that is a pain in the ass, debilitating pain in the ass. Like, I don't want to hit anybody, but that damn sun is, like, taking up your whole damn field of vision. Fucking hell. So I get it, but he's also saying how it, the, the glare of the sun was glinting off the hubcaps. And how he ended up hitting a part and nudging, you know, hitting a parked car. Which, Kevin, you haven't come to the, you have not been driving enough to know that sometimes there are going to be things that are going to be like that whether it's the sun or whether it's raining so hard that your windshield's fogging up and you gotta like turn on your defrost shit can happen your whole field of vision is that windshield that is the only thing you got other than your side mirrors which usually you use if you're gonna be moving into another lane and also your rear view mirror you're checking who's behind you so, but even still, it's like, Kevin, you have not been driving enough. I get it. That's not an excuse, but still, I get where the guys come. You know, and sometimes, I swear, sometimes it's like if you're driving, or maybe it's with me, you know, you're driving along, and you're just thinking about whatever, and then you finally get to where you're going, and you're thinking, I don't know how I made it alive, because my mind was like a million miles away. But you're still visually reacting to stuff like you're on autopilot, basically. I mean, you're still, your senses are still there, but in a way, sometimes your mind is just like, and it's like, oh man, I don't know how I made it home in one piece. <laughs> so we stepped on it all right. Life. And I was held there. 
captive. Wait, 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 wait. Did I say Sioux Falls? No, no, no. It was Rapid City. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. It wasn't Rapid City. It was a little town about right west of the But I just didn't care anymore about Sioux Falls, about his wandering windbag stories. Well, anyway, we 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 broke an axle there, and we thought we were gonna have to stay there seven days. What the heck? Did he drive through an intersection? What in the world? Again, no seatbelts. You alright? I think so. But I wasn't. I'd had it. <laughs> I was fed up. Jeez, Griff, didn't you see where you were going? Well, I... You could have gotten us killed. Like, you're looking out the window telling stories, not watching the road. Kevin's got him there. So they finally make it to Grandpa Arnold's house. Kevin says they really didn't talk much the rest of the drive. It's almost like kind of a gulf of silence like built between them. It's like, yeah, after you've been yelled at and just you kind of realizing the person that yelled at you is kind of right in their way of what they're saying. It kind of like, you know, like, okay, I need to stew in my own silence for a little while. So... So I like what Kevin says here. He, you know, he narrates, uh, adult Kevin narrates. He says, we sat there, a 16-year-old, always in a hurry, and a man whose eyes had grown old before his time. And I'm just thinking, yeah, as a kid, it's like, you think you got all the time in the world. You're like, rush, 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 rush. I got to get here. I got to get here right now. I, I, you know. And at one point in your life, you kind of realize you get to a point. I mean, Jeremy and I were actually just talking about that. It's like when you hit that 50-year mark, I mean, Jeremy's four years away from that. And I, I was saying, like, you realize when you hit that 50-year mark, you've lived more than half your life. More than likely, you probably have another good maybe 20, 25 years, maybe 30 if you're lucky depending on your health and all that stuff. And I'm just thinking, wow. It's like, as a kid, you want time to hurry up so you can get to certain ages, you know, 16, 18, 21. You're waiting for your life to begin. But then at some point, you get to that point and you just want time to slow the hell down so you can enjoy it more. I mean, 
I told you, I'm like, I'm looking at these kids that I'm working with that, you know, my, my, uh, my job. And I'm just thinking, they got the whole damn world ahead of them. These kids that are in high school. And I'm just thinking, you know, trying not to, you know, so much thinking about regrets and just thinking, oh man, if I had that time left or if I could do things differently, I would do this. Or just kids today have more opportunities than like what we had back then and everything like that. It's just like, you just want to tell them, just slow down. Don't be in such a hurry to grow up and just start living your life. Because like once you're out of school, that's it. You're an adult and every thing you were in such a hurry to grow up to do it's like you're basically doing that for the rest of your life you're gonna have so many more responsibilities than you thought you had as a kid and I'm just like that's it slow down enjoy things like Grandpa Arnold this was his final drive in his car and he wanted to make it last as long as he could for that whole day picture perfect weather you know, just stop and just greeting people like, hey, how you doing? I'm going to take some, an apple here. I'm going to pet your dog. And uh, let's stop at the, you know, this was, this was it. And he, you know, we should all be so lucky at one point in our life while we still have our, you know, faculties about us to go out and just take a memorable drive and just knowing, you know, one day you may not have that opportunity to be able to do that just something just just go out take a drive appreciate things just you know it's a, when it's a nice day and you just want to take in the scenery and just appreciate what is there just don't think about what you have to do tomorrow or the next day and everything just yeah that's my honestly for for this for this particular episode, yeah, just, yeah, that's my wonderling words of wisdom, too, for this. It's just, yeah, just slow down. Take time to appreciate stuff, because one day it's not going to be there. Do. How are you going to get around? Oh, well, uh, 
So happens I have one dollar. <laughs> Gifts are simple. Some come at a price. Some you buy for a buck and last you a lifetime. I guess everybody remembers their first car. I know I remember mine. Not because it was my first car, but because it was my grandfather's last. Grandpa Arnold gives Kevin his car. Doesn't give it to him. Sells it to him for a buck. And he's like, oh, now don't you be telling anyone what uh, I asked you to pay me for it. I want people thinking I'm an easy mark. You know, I don't want people to think I'm being taken advantage of. And he even tells it like, no, 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 you don't, you don't have to come in. And he says, you know, I got the guys coming over to play poker. And... Kevin kind of tells us, like, yeah, we both kind of knew that he was lying. Like, yeah, he was giving up more than a car. I mean, so many years of that car. So many years, so many memories. And he also gives Kevin a couple tips, especially on cold mornings, like tap the gas three times before you start it. I don't want you to call me. Ask me how to turn her over now. And, yeah, you know, and... Ke oh, um, adult Kevin narrates how I'll always remember my first car, not because it was my first car, but because it was my grandpa's last. This is just such a sweet episode. I just, I wanted to kind of show that relationship. 
between Kevin and his grandfather versus, you know, Dean and Granddaddy Clisby and everything. And just, yes, they're both, you know, Kevin's 16 at this point, Dean's 12. Both grandparents are just, the idea of letting go of that freedom is just, we'll never know just how hard that is. I mean, that's almost kind of like you're resigning yourself to, you know, public transportation. Like you've, it's almost like you're 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 letting go, and he Kevin even said like my grandfather was was letting go, and how hard that must be. It's kind of you know it, it almost feels like in a way like I don't know what you call it like, maybe not admitting defeat because you're not defeated, just feeling like it's a part of yourself that you have to let go, that you're not, you know you're not as young as you used to be. There's you know. At a certain point, your eyes aren't going to be as good anymore. Your hearing's going to go. And those are two really important details that you need to be behind the wheel. You also need to have a level of, you know, common sense and understanding. The thing is, you might have those things, but that doesn't necessarily mean the people that share the road with you are going to. So many... There are so many more accidents now related on people, you know, texting, where back in the, back in the day, referring to the 90s, like when I was driving, <laughs> we didn't have those distractions. The only real distraction we probably had was either talking to the person next to us or people, you know, distracting you in the car or the radio, playing with the radio, getting distracted, your mind's wandering and stuff like that. But, yeah, like I said, I just, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to covering the next episode, which I believe I said was, uh, I thought it was like, was it Science Fair? Was that it? Let me look. I want to make sure we got this right here. So, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Science Fair, which aired November 17th, 2021, that's season one, episode eight, and then, of course... For Christmas Eve, I'm going to be uploading Home for Christmas, which aired December 1st, 2021. It's already lists an episode, episode 10 for January 5th of 2022. However, there is no synopsis and there's not even an episode title. So I kind of wonder if there's still, um, oh, we get to meet Brad's dad in that episode. Have we already met him? Let me see. Have we met Brad's dad yet? I feel like we have. Okay, this guy is played <laughs> in five episodes. Brad's dad, pedestrian, parent, office clerk, basketball coach. Basketball coach? Is that in an episode that hasn't... Science Fair, Home for Christmas. Oh, January... Th okay, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I'm curious. Because, as we know, you know, in the Christmas episode, like... Brad's Jewish, so just like Paul Pfeiffer was. So I'm curious how they're going to incorporate that and all that fun stuff. Because I know there was a scene of Brad reading, is it the Torah? You know, I think he's doing the same Jewish uh, ceremony that Paul Pfeiffer did. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And being that Kevin Arnold, you know, he was, and uh, Fred Savage was basically the Wonder Years just, his special touch that he's bringing to this new show and everything. It's just amazing. So, all right. 
Do you want to email the podcast with your thoughts on these past seven episodes? You can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you haven't yet and you want to, go to iTunes, search the Wonder Years Podcast, so looking back on my Wonder Years Podcast, scroll down, leave a review. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Wonder Years fans like yourselves. All right, bye-bye, everybody.